Everyone has questions. Why am I here? Where will I go when I die? Is there really truth? But not everyone has biblical answers. Welcome to The Pastor Study, a ministry of pastorstudy.org. Join us now as we study the Bible to draw closer to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Here is Pastor Tom Brock. Welcome to The Pastor's Study. Probably the oldest book of the New Testament, the first one written, is the book of James, probably written by James, the brother of Jesus, before 50 A.D. So if you want to see what the early church looked like, you read the book of James and you discover how they did church. We're going to do that today, and I think if we start doing church like they did church, maybe eventually we'll convert the Roman Empire too. So would you take out your Bible, turn to James chapter 5. We're going to discover the early church held each other real accountable. Let's pray. Father, I'm afraid we've lost that in the church today. We're just unaccountable to anybody and therefore we're not victorious over sin and we don't convert the world like we should. Father, we want to pray that you'd speak to us now through the book of James. Help each of us be in some kind of accountable relationship. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. James chapter 5. James was a leader in the early church, probably the, the, one of the brothers of Jesus. Chapter 5, looking at verse 13. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Let's stop there. The first thing the early church did is, when they suffered, they prayed. The early church suffered a lot. They got persecuted a lot. They got thrown to the lions a lot. And they prayed a lot. So let me ask you, do you have a prayer time, a quiet time? What I try to do is take one hour in the morning, and during that hour, I read the Bible, I pray. Sometimes I take out a hymn book and I sing a hymn to the Lord. I don't do it every single day, but often I'll have my one-hour prayer time in the morning. You need something like that. I was uh, at a, a restaurant and I needed to buy some gift certificates. So you had to go up to the bar to buy the gift certificates. And I'm, I'm up there and this guy's sitting there with a drink and he's just staring at me. And I'm wondering, does he see our TV show? What's going on here? And he looks at me and he says, how you doing? I said, fine. <laughs> I said, how you doing? Oh, not good today. I'm supposed to get married tomorrow. And my fiance, she just got a drunk driving charge. Do you think I should marry her? <laughs> and I said, well, I'd sure pray about it. Oh, I haven't talked to God for years. Do you talk to God? I said, I talk to God all the time. And my, did we have quite the long, deep conversation. It turns out his mother is a deaconess in, a, in some church, and she does not want him marrying this woman. And, you know, I was able to explain the gospel that, you know, you need to come to Christ, that he believed that he died for your sins so you could be forgiven, and, and you need to get into a good church. Oh, I do. I need to get into a good church. But um, let me ask you, do you pray? Do you talk to God? That's crucial. Verse 13, here's what else the early church did. 
Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Next thing the early church did, when cheerful, you sing. It doesn't say you have to sing well, you just sing. So for instance, here's a, here's a book that I have and I can take, take it out and sing songs to the Lord when I feel like it. Uh, or listen to Christian radio and, and sing along, listen to Christian CDs. But the early church, even when they were miserable, they sang. Do you remember Paul and Silas at midnight sitting in this dank prison cell? And what were they doing in Acts chapter 16 in there? They were singing hymns in prison. Maybe you need to go buy a hymn book at a Christian bookstore and just sing old hymns. Next thing the early church did, look at verse 14. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. The next thing the early church did, when sick, call for the elders. You know, I, I've, I've said this before, I'll say it again. I'm cheap enough that if I get sick, I'm going to first of all do James chapter 5 and get the elders of the church to anoint me with oil and pray for me. And then if I have to spend $20,000, then I will. But I don't understand Christians that will spend all this money on doctors when they haven't done the one thing we're told to do. James chapter 5, you get the anointing with oil by the elders. And I, I've shared this before too, but I went to a church because I, I, I was having shoulder pain, so I went up to the pastor. Can you get the elders to pray for me and do James chapter 5 this morning? Oh, we don't have elders in our church. I'm thinking, well, then how do you fulfill James chapter 5 where the elders pray for the sick? anointing them with oil. Well, I, you know, I hope you've got elders. I hope you go to church, and I hope you've got elders at your church. Here's what you get when you go to the elders. Look at the next part of verse uh, 14 here. And call for the elders and let them pray. The first thing the elders should do is pray for you. So some churches do this at the end of the service. Come up if you need prayer, and the elders up there will pray for you. And then the second thing they do if you need healing in verse 14, let them pray over them, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. So the second thing you get is called the anointing with oil. And they'll put a little oil on your forehead and make the sign of the cross and, and we pray for you and we anoint you in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And then often you get the next thing. Look at verse uh, 15. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. So the next thing you get, you get a prayer from them, anointing, you get healed. Now, I, I got a phone call recently from a lady, I think in New Jersey, who sees our TV show. And she said, you know, Pastor, I go to a Baptist church out here, but they don't believe in healing. They don't believe in miracles. They think all that stopped in the first century. And she said, I read my Bible, I see miracles in here. I believe in miracles. And I said, so do I. God still heals. He still does miracles. And I said to, him, I said to her, you know, most Baptists do believe in miracles. Do believe. There's, there are some real conservative Baptists who think that when the Bible was completed, all the miracles stopped. But uh, I'm not one of those. Let me tell you why. <laughs> Here's a dear pastor's wife sweet Christian lady, goes to the doctor, tumors all over her lungs. She pretty much got the sentence, it's going to be over very soon. So she comes to the elders of our church. We prayed over her. We anointed her with oil. She went back to the doctors, and it was like, 
where are they? And that lady lived for years after that. So don't rob yourself of that possibility. Verse 15. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And notice the word if. If he has committed sins, they will be forgiven. Here's the next lesson. The word if in James 5.15 means sometimes sin causes sickness, but not always. I mean, if you're sick, is it because you did something? My next-door neighbor lady, you know, Pastor, what sin have I committed that I'm so sick? And I try to explain it doesn't work that way. Sometimes it does. I mean, if you read 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 11, the Corinthians are getting drunk on Holy Communion. And Paul says, that's why some of you are sick and dying. But on the other hand, in, in John chapter 9, the disciples say, Jesus, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus said, Nobody sinned. This is for the glory of God, and he heals him. So sometimes you're sick because you sinned, but often it's somehow for the glory of God. Now, if, if you want to be healed emotionally, spiritually, look what you do in the next verse, verse uh, 16. If he has committed sins, they will be forgiven. Verse 16, therefore, confess your sins to one another. If you want to be healed, confess your sins to another. You know, you might say, well, can I just confess my sins straight to God? Do I have to go to another Christian and tell them my sins? Well, you can go straight to God. When you pray the Lord's Prayer, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trust. You're going straight to God, and that's good, and that works. <laughs> but I'm just saying your healing will be deeper if you tell another Christian about your sins. I have a prayer partner. I mean, I... Uh, we confess our sins to one another. And it's because sometimes my conscience can get pretty heavy duty, and I start to wonder if God forgives me because I'm so sinful. And that's when I ha need a brother in Christ to stand in and say, Tom, I announce to you the entire forgiveness of all your sins uh, by the authority of Scripture, 1 John 1, 9, if you confess you're forgiven. I had a professor at seminary who said, when I was in the parish, there was a woman in our church who committed some sin. She could not stop talking about it and how God will never forgive this. And on, finally, he said, one day I took my hand and I put it on her head and I said, Woman, I announce to you the entire forgiveness of all your sins in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And he said it was like it broke. I never heard it about it again. That is what is called the Office of the Keys. Jesus gave to Peter and to the apostles the office of the keys. Whoever sins you forgive, they've forgiven. Whoever sins you retain, you retain. We need to use the office of the keys and confess our sins one to another. Back in the 1700s in England, John Wesley founded the Methodist Church. He started what he called bands, these small groups in, in his church. And here's what John Wesley says. These little bands of 12 groups are to meet together regularly to further their devotion for Christ. At the beginning of Wesley's rules for his bands, he quotes this verse, James 5, confess your sins to each other, and he says, quote, The purpose of our meeting together is to obey this command of God. Each member of the band is expected from time to time to speak freely and plainly the true state of his soul with the faults committed and thought, word, and deed since the last meeting. At every meeting, each member was precisely asked, what known sins have you committed since our last meeting? They did that. <laughs> and the, the, the church was on fire back then. 
Well, this practice has pretty much died out in the Methodist Church, and sadly, so has a lot of the fire died out. If you are willing, and I hope you will, if you're willing to find a prayer partner, meet once a week, and hold each other accountable, Chuck Swindoll has questions you should ask once a week to your prayer partner. Number one, have you been with a woman or a man this week in a way that was inappropriate? Number two, have you been above board in your financial dealings this week? Number three, have you exposed yourself to any explicit material this week? Number four, have you spent daily time in prayer in the Bible this week? Number five, have you taken time to be with your family this week? And number six, have you just lied to me? <laughs> now, if you have somebody that's going to ask you those questions once a week, it'll help clean up your act. This is the genius of Alcoholics Anonymous. If you know once a week you're going to have to face a little group who's going to ask you how you did with the bottle this week, that helps you clean up your act. The next thing to be healed, look at verse 16, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another. You pray for each other. I mean, when, when you have your time with your, your, uh, your prayer partner or your, your small group, you, you spend some time confessing sins and counseling each other, but then you spend a lot of time praying for each other. And look at verse 16. The prayer of a righteous man has great power as it is working. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain, and for three years and six months it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth bore its fruit. Here's the next lesson. Never underestimate the power of prayer. So I have a friend who lost his job last week. So I'm going to go over and have dinner with him and his wife, and as I'm driving over there, it's just, you know, Tom, make sure you pray before you leave that house. So I drove over to the house and had dinner and had a great time and forgot about things. And I left and I, I'm heading for my car and I'm thinking, wait a minute. I turned around and I came back and I said, you know, the reason we don't pray more is because we don't think it works. We need to pray about this job situation. And we sat down and we prayed. Listen, I, I've got this hanging on my wall, this plaque quoting Alfred Lord Tennyson, English poet, quote, More things are wrought by prayer than this world dreams of. So if you've got a prayer chain at your church, use it. I mean, I was having to teach a very rowdy bunch of teenagers, and they were giving me a real headache because I was trying to teach, and they'd be talking and throwing things. It was just, eh. So I called this dear white-haired lady of our church, Fran, I know you're a prayer warrior, Will you pray as I teach that group tonight? Oh, yes, I will. And man, it went well. So it works. Prayer works. <laughs> um, another thing the early church did, look at verse 19. My brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, Here's the next thing the early church did. They brought back the wanderer. When I was a new pastor, I was in Florida, and we had a, a, a group called the Young Singles and Couples. And we prayed together, 
We had Bible studies together. We played games together. We had dinner together. We were a, I don't know that I've ever had such a close-knit Christian fellowship in my life. But one day, April, one of the single young women stops coming to our group. And then we hear through the grapevine that she's moved in with her boyfriend. Well, God bless Bert of our group. He tracked her down, found, her what found out what apartment she was in, knocked on the door, April, where are you? We miss you, April. <laughs> and eventually she did come back to the Lord. But that's what the early church did. You, you bring back the wanderer. And then look what happens when you do that. The last verse is verse 20. Let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his, that's the sinner's soul, from death and will cover a multitude of sins. Here's the, the, the last lesson. Why be accountable? Look at what verse 20 says. To save your soul from death. You know, I, I've shared on this program before that I've struggled with same-sex attraction most of my life, homosexual temptation. So, I'm part of a little small, I'm a Lutheran, but this is a bunch of Catholics. It's called Courage. They have them all over the country. And you go there once a week, other men, celibate men who are fighting the good fight, saying no to that temptation. And you know why I go to that group once a week or so? Because I'm trying to save my soul from death. Um, the, the, there's a, a young man, he's older now, I confirmed many years ago when he was 13, and he accepted the Lord. And then in high school, he got into drugs. And then f a few years later, he came back to church. Oh, Pastor Brock, I need to get back to the Lord. You know, uh, would you pray for me? And so we'd pray. And then he'd come to church a week or two. And then he'd drift off again. Five years later, oh, here I am again, Pastor Brock. I need... And you know, the problem with him, he has no accountability in his life. I know another man who had a horrible drug problem. So horrible, he should be dead. But one day he comes to Christ, and this guy, because the, the, the battle was so strong, he, if I remember right, he was going to three Bible studies a week, two AA groups a week, and he was fighting the good fight, and he was serving the Lord. And sadly, I heard that some years later he fell back into the old lifestyle. More recently, I've heard he's back walking with the Lord again. And if that's true, you know why, why he's walking with the Lord again? Somewhere he's got accountability back in his life. So my big question for you is this. Are you willing, you won't be, you, you'll be defeated if you don't, are you willing to become accountable Christian? And I'll close with this. To me, the funniest episode of I Love Lucy is when Ricky, Fred, and Ethel bet Lucy she can't go without lying for 24 hours. And then you'll get all this money. <laughs> Okay, says Lucy. So all through the half hour episode, Lucy is about to tell a lie and Ethel goes, <laughs> and it, it, this happens throughout the episode. And, and finally, uh, Lucy wins the money, if I remember it. And you know, you know what? If you know that you're gonna have a person or a little group hold you accountable, you clean up your act. The early church was very accountable, which is why they had more victory than we have. My question for you is, are you willing to become accountable to another Christian? And why do we do that according to James chapter 5, verse 20? To save our soul from death. Amen. Welcome to the portion of the pastor study where we now ask Pastor Brock to share with us his knowledge of Scripture and his insights to answer questions we have regarding the Bible 
our Lord in our everyday walk with him. Pastor Brock, you talked about the office of the keys. Mm -hmm. Can you explain that yes. a little bit more about where it came yeah, from? Yeah, the office of the keys is, uh, was it John chapter 20? After the resurrection, Jesus breathes on the disciples and says, Receive the Holy Spirit. Whoever sins you forgive, they are forgiven. Whoever sins you retain, they are retained. So uh, if you go to a Catholic church, a Lutheran church, an Episcopal church, often they'll have the office of the keys right in the service where everybody confesses their sins. And then the pastor gets up and says, I, I uh, uh, affirm to you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by his authority that you are forgiven of all your sins in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. That's the public way of doing it. The private way of doing it is you go to your Christian girlfriend or I go to a pastor or a priest or whatever, and you confess your sins, and then they announce to you, I affirm to you, 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. That's the office of the keys. So does everybody have that? Well, you know, I think they do, because he gives it to all the disciples in, in uh, John chapter 20. So it, it, James chapter 5 says this, Therefore confess your sins to one another and pray for one another. It doesn't say you have to confess your sins to a priest. It says, confess your sins to one another. Nothing's wrong with doing it to a priest or to a pastor, but nothing's wrong with you doing it with a girlfriend, Jackie. So. Okay, if prayer works, why hasn't God answered a prayer, say, that I've been praying for many years? Yeah. Is that a test that I... Well, uh, one thing to say is he answers every prayer. Sometimes his answer is no. That's one thing to say. The other thing to say is Jesus said, you know, the parable of the widow who kept bugging the judge, would you please help me? Finally, the unrighteous judge helped her. And Jesus said, if the unrighteous judge helps her, how much more will the Heavenly Father help her? So meaning, keep praying, keep praying, keep praying. Uh, pray till the day you die. Okay. If the person is sick, is it because they've sinned? Well, you know, like I tried to preach sometimes. I mean, Jackie, if I get rip-roaring drunk, tonight and I have a hangover in the morning, there is a connection between my sin and my sickness. If uh, I was to go out and uh, sleep around with 30 different women and end up with syphilis, there's a connection. On the other hand, you can't overdo that. Uh, John chapter 9, Jesus who sinned, this man or his parents that he was born blind, Jesus said nobody sinned, this is for the glory of God. So you can't trace every sin to a sickness. Okay. You talked about going to the elders. Can you explain what are elders mm -hmm. and Yep. Why? Every, every church should have elders. These are the leaders in your church. And so, uh, again, when you, uh, the, the people that teach over the church and rule the church are the elders. And they're the people that you're supposed to call upon, James chapter 5, to be anointed with oil. And like at Hope Church... We would have people up at the front, elders up at the front, and if you need elder, if you need healing today, come up, and then they would kneel with you there and pray for you and anoint you with oil. Okay. Um, so, how can a church best practice this anointing with oil? Mm -hmm. I mean, mm -hmm. well, I, does every church you, you do? Can, every church should do it. A lot of churches don't. But James 5 says to do it so you can do it privately and call up your pastor and say, can I get an appointment to be anointed by the elders? And, you know, Jackie, because it says elders plural, I don't anoint people by myself. I always get a, an elder, because it says elders plural, 
So I don't want it just one person knowing me. It says elders plural. So you can do it privately, or I like what we did at our church, Jackie, where you just make it available at the end of every service, and you have elders in the front. Okay, so does God always heal if you do mm -hmm. get anointed with yeah. oil? Uh, no, he doesn't. And some churches, these health and wealth prosperity churches, teach that if you don't get healed, it's because you didn't have enough faith. Something's wrong with your faith. I think that's baloney. I think sometimes it is true because you didn't have faith, you don't believe God will heal you, okay, you don't get healed. That can be true, but it says this in the Old Testament. Now, when Elisha became sick of the illness of which he was to die, nothing was wrong with Elisha's faith. He raised people from the dead, but he, the Lord took him home through his sickness. Paul says in Timothy, Timothy, take a little wine for the sake of your frequent stomach ailments. He doesn't say... Timothy, why don't you have enough faith, name it and claim it, why are you still sick? He says, take your medicine, basically. So, um, and, and you know what, in one sense, yes, God always does heal. Sometimes he takes you home and he heals you up there. There aren't any cripples or arthritis in heaven. So it's the ultimate healing. That's the ultimate healing. Okay. Yeah. Um, okay, what's the best way for a Christian to become accountable? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, is there a yeah. step process? Yeah, I mean, if, if a lot of people just go to church on Sunday morning for one hour, and that's it. And that's why their Christian life is not very deep. But I, some churches have what they call growth groups. That's probably the best place to get accountable. You join a little group of 10 other Christians. You pray together. You read the Bible. You do Bible study together. And then maybe you break off into one-on-ones, couples at, at the end, and you, you do the heavy-duty stuff of confessing your sins. So I think that's probably the most ideal way to do it. Okay, Tom, we've got just about a minute and a half, not quite a minute and a half okay. left, but we've been on the air for how many years now? Since, uh, for 28 years, Jackie. 28 years. It's no wonder my hair is this color. <laughs> and no wonder I, ha I used to have hair on this show. But anyway, yeah. So... Yeah, so, What's so going six, on? six years ago, we went national, which is why people are seeing this all over the country now. And so we just want to thank you for your support. If you go to pastorstudy.org, two S's, you can see all of our TV shows there. You can recommend that people see our programs for free at pastorstudy.org. You can also pray for us. You can donate to us online at, at pastorstudy.org with PayPal, or you can just send, uh, in a minute you'll see our address. Pray about helping us stay on there. The more money we get, we're a very shoestring operation, as you can tell by our sets and everything. We're a very shoestring operation. The money you send goes to buy more airtime in more cities. So we're very frugal and we're very above board with our finances. And we're very blessed that the cities that we've gone to have made such a difference yeah. when I have people stop me that say, I saw you on this channel. Mm -hmm. Up in Duluth. And in Duluth. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah. God bless until we're together again next time. Thank you for watching the Pastor Study. You can watch more of our programs at pastorstudy.org. We are on the air preaching the gospel of Christ because of our generous support of you, our viewers. Would you consider supporting our ministry? You may do so at pastorstudy.org or write the Pastor Study, P.O. Box 41294, Minneapolis, Minnesota 55441. May the blessing of our one triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be with you today and always.